again, my name is Russ Clemmer, president of Legacy Advisory Partners here in Georgia. And I'm on the Three Wins podcast today with Henry Hayes, who is a disruption specialist. Welcome to the show. Russ, it's great to be here, man. I'm excited about this time. So I got introduced to you from a good buddy of ours over there in Louisiana, a good Cajun fellow named Phil Nico. And so Phil, Phil's on another episode of the Three Wins podcast. And, you know, he's just saying, Russ, you got to listen to this guy. You got to listen to this guy. And so what's wonderful about at least our approach to some of these innovative ideas and, and things that you talk about is my relationship with my father-in-law, who is here at Legacy. He said, Russ, you got you to hear what Henry's got to say. And then, and then it's like, Russ, go, go, what are you going to go do with it? Right. That's kind of that idea. And so I'm saying, all right, well, how do we work this in? How do we do these different things? And what I realized about myself, and the first thing, hearing some of the things you've had to say in the past is you really got to listen and you really got to pay attention to some of those areas in your life, which you just think that they're not changeable, right? They're always going to be that way. That's the situation somebody's waiting on. A disruptor is waiting on to come in and say, that needs to be changed. Maybe it just needs to be changed to be changed. And so that's where you live and that's what you specialize in. So I appreciate you joining in and looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Well, I appreciate you saying that up front because one of the things that we'll talk about this for us, but one of the things I've learned speaking and keynoting this message for years now is the psychology of change is an interesting thing as human beings. My, my thesis on it is, and I don't think I'm alone, I think the older we get, when we have change put in our face, it's, it's a pretty quick fight or flight, meaning there's parts of our brain that say, hey, man, I don't understand this. Run away. It's not for you. You're going to look like a fool. You're going to look old. You're going to be embarrassed. Bail. And so we come up with excuses, i.e., this is the way we've always done it. Profits are fine. That's not what my customers want. When yeah. really, it's just our brains trying to keep us safe. So we can talk about that because there's a lot of a historical example. And I believe that there's right a lot right in front of our faces as we speak today. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, you know, in our business, working with founders of businesses, right? That's a little bit of what that looks like, right? They've gone through the thick of it, the ups and downs and everything else, and they found a formula that works. And then to get ready for the next generation, which is typically trying to put new ideas into the situation, that founder syndrome of, why can't you just listen? It works. We don't need to change anything, right? That's often what we come across in our work. So you just mentioned historical examples. What are some of the top, you know, five to 10 historical examples of disruption that you like to point people's attention to? Well, the one that got me started, Russ, I'll, I'll start there, is, is Blockbuster. I mean, you and I are, sim I'm a little older than you, but Blockbuster was a staple of my childhood, my high yeah. school career, yeah. dating life, early 2030s. I mean, you always saw the blue and the yellow sign. And we got very conditioned to how we got our entertainment. And there were thousands of those stores, one of the biggest companies in the country. And yet it was when I saw driving down my one of my main streets here in town, I looked to my left and I saw one boarded up. And I thought, that is a that's an odd sight. You do not, it's like saying a McDonald's boarded up these days. You just don't see it. Yeah. So I literally at that time, Russ made a U-turn in that parking lot because I wanted to figure out what happened. What yeah. What, what occurred here? And yeah. now we know Netflix happened to Blockbuster. But the learning for me at the time, and at the time I had 
intellectual curiosity plus a little, little bit of time and resource that I could jump into this, Netflix happened. So the next thought in my mind was, well, wait a minute. If that big boy blockbuster can be taken down, what's next? And this was over 10 years ago. So what, what started out as just an intellectual, you know, kind of interesting thing to jump into now has turned into we've got a much higher sense of urgency because the change is way faster now. So Blockbuster is one, but I mean, in my presentation, I have a slide, it's called the Graveyard Rust and it's, it's companies like Polaroid. Polaroid should be, or Kodak, both those companies should be Instagram today, but they took their eye off of what their customers wanted as opposed to the way they made their money and they're, they're, they're irrelevant or extinct. There's so many other examples, you know, retail right now, you know, Sears and all the folks, Toys R Us that have gone out of business because somebody figured out that, yeah, the climbers want it on their doorstep and they also want it in two hours and a a low price wouldn't hurt either, but they ignored these signs. And what I've really enjoyed doing, Russ, is going over stories like that, but then saying, okay, folks, the disruption and the innovation is not stopping. So how do we press the brakes? And how do we learn to spot it for what you do? Because look, at the end of the day, don't forget, this is God's technology. It's God's innovation. So he has a hand in this. We just need to pay attention to the road signs and act. We, we need to play offense, not defense. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the same kind of situation presents itself in war, I think. You know, you're always trying to get a leg up. You're always trying to, and if you don't, you're going to get wiped out. And that's the same thing in business, the same thing across the board. So you said that you got your first start in this, this world and this thought, thought leadership with the blockbuster story. So tell me where you've come from and how you got to where you are. Give me a little bit of your background story. Sure. So my kind of, I guess, some of my gifting and some of my, what I've kind of fallen into, Russ, is on the sell side. I get really excited. I love meeting people. I love trying to solve problems. I've refined my sales approach. So almost every stop in my career had something to do with selling something, influencing someone's behavior. And so a lion's share of that was in the pharmaceutical industry. I started on a bag, you know, singular territory on up to, I got a break beginning to start a company with a mentor of mine. We did that, had some success and and we exited that company in late 2014, early 15. And that's when this kind of blockbuster phenomenon began to, I really picked it up. And I exited once we, you know, we got our payout. So I was looking for something new to do. And so I'm also one of those folks who's never been afraid to get on stage. In fact, it kind of fuels me. It puts wind in my sails. So I thought, you know, back to that day at that blockbuster, Russ, one of the things I thought, I said, you know, there's probably a 33-year-old night manager who maybe has a baby or two young kids, maybe he's newly married, who came to work that day and his key didn't work because that business was shut down. So I thought... The lack of choice that someone like that had going forward, I didn't like that. So I said, you know, can I make it my mission such that I educate people to say, okay, folks, this is coming. So what you do with this information is on you. You can't say the bullet that gets you, you didn't see coming. And I felt if I could do a good job highlighting what's coming and maybe what to do about it, then I could sleep well. But I didn't like the fact that a lot of Americans were – we're going to get hit with something out of the blue that they didn't see coming. And so that's when I devoted some time and some resource to building a deck, which would walk folks through this. And it's been refined over the years. In fact, I, I've refined it this weekend. So that's the good thing about what I'm doing, Russ, is 
it's a moving target. And there's always, I mean, we're sitting here talking at the end of March, 2023, ChatGPT is the most successful launch in the history of product in the world. Think about that for a second. All the hundreds of years we've had product launches, this is the most successful and that's rated by how many people have come to the platform and used it. And it's not close. And so I think it's, like I said, it's only gonna get faster. So if you're a founder, and maybe you're in your 50s or early 60s and you've done well, but you sit there and go, man, I have no idea what that is or what to do with it. That's an exposed feeling. So that's what I'm trying to help those folks. And the, here's the good news, Russ. I believe that properly educated and playing a bit of offense and not defense, it's actually the little guy. And I say little, meaning you're not the corporation with hundreds, if not thousands of employees, all the resource you want. I think it's the little guy with the proper executive team that actually has the leg up in this race because they move more quickly and they're more nimble. So that's the good news. Yes, it can be daunting and scary, but I think the little guy actually has the leg up. So you, let, let's just hang out for a second with ChatGPT. I've been there, created my username, password, got my site, put in a question, put in a couple of different things, and it was fascinating but I didn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. So tell me, why is it the most successful launch? What is it doing for people in the world today? Let's assume you have listeners in the audience that don't know what we're talking about. So ChatGPT is a version of artificial intelligence. And ChatGPT is a, what's called an LLM, a large language module, meaning it's ingested a lot of text from a lot of different sources. And it has learned, okay, based on what it's ingested. And it has ability to, to spit out when prompted. So your experience has been very similar, which is, hey, played with it, maybe said, give me this, and now give me it, and in the voice of a country music singer, and now create a tweet storm. And those things are cute. I'll give you an example of where this is going, Russ. Yeah. So if, you, if, if you're not in the, the wealth legacy advisement business, and let's say you own a recruiting company, I would say, Russ, you want to get ahead of of disruption? You need to start sitting on this new term of jobs that doesn't even exist today. It's called a prompt engineer, P-R-O-M-P-T engineer. Now, what is that? It's exactly what you just said, Russ. If you're going to use chat GPT in the future and you're serious about it, and this will happen, you need someone who does say, we know exactly how to put it to use within these walls, Russ, and that comes through discovery, you know, where could anything that you write or type, any marketing material should be run through this. Any communication to clients, frankly, should be run through this. But it's much more than that. And that is what a prompt engineer versed in LLMs will crush for you. But today, that, that term doesn't exist. So if you have a recruiting company, you want to get ahead of the pack, figure out where they're coming from, how to get your hands on them. And then sit back and watch. So that's a really good example of disruption right in front of us happening. Now, let's go back to your original issue, which is, hey, kind of play with it. It's kind of fun. But how do I use it? Well, like I said, I would suggest that you pop the hood on anything that has to do with you and your partners writing anything, sort of a two-mail email reply. I would almost have a SOP, a standard operating procedure that says we're going to run that through ChatGPT. And today you can do that for free. Now, if you want to upgrade to the premium version, which basically means you get 
guaranteed bandwidth access, that's fine. But the output's going to be the same. And that's a, that's a cheap, cheap price to pay in my mind. So and here's the other thing. The learning begins, Russ, when you do this, and all of a sudden you begin to get wins with it. Guess what happens? If you really want to think disruptively. Thinking disruptively we would be like, wait, legacy knows it has a lot of people around the country that do what we do. Russ, if you just do what I, what I suggested you do with ChatGPT, you're ahead of 98% of the other legacy wealth advisors. So should you want to, guess what? You have a boutique spinoff business, which says, hey, we are in the wealth advising game and we're using new technology. We'll tell you how. It's this a month or it's this per interaction. And if you're mm-hmm. good, people are going to sign up. Now, you might not want to do that, but at a minimum, you have that gray matter up here and it's going to propel your business forward. But that's how I would, that's how I would think about how to use that technology the right way. I'll give you one more. And this is more in your wheelhouse. If you are in your business or if you're a fiduciary of any kind, a bank, a credit union, anyone having to do with money, in 18 months, Russ, if you do not have what I call a blockchain facilitator under your roof, you're behind. Not to say you can't catch up, but you're behind. And so I always ask my clients, guys, look, this isn't an if, but a when. So if, that, if you believe that to be the case, just tell me, do you want to be at the front of the line, the middle, or the back? Because there's room in all those three spots, and I'll help you find it. So you'd be in the front if in the next six months, you have a blockchain facilitator under your roof. Now, Henry, what the heck is that? All right. So all of finance is moving to components of Web3. And I could, I could walk through the differences in Web1, 2, and 3 if you, if you like. All those relationships in Web3, I shouldn't say all, 99%, Russ, are going to be third-party strategic relationships, meaning your, your company's probably not going to invest the engineering stack dollars that it's going to cost to build your own solution. So that means you need to vet Web3 providers, blockchain players, L1s, L2s, liquidity players, oracles, et cetera. Okay, to even do that, you need a modicum of information to vet those vendors, right? And let's say you get that. And then you make a deal with one of those vendors and you're in Web3. You're on-chain. You're tokenizing something. Well, what happens the next day? (laughs) I'll tell you, implementation and pretty rigorous stepwise work needs to occur to make that substantive. If you don't have that, it's just going to sit on the shelf and you'll do nothing with it. So a proper blockchain facilitator, knowing how to speak the vendor that you just signed up with is the whole ball game. Mm. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you talk with folks who like, just think about the buying cycle, right? There's a group of people who they're early adopters, mm-hmm. right? Then you talk with people who are a little bit, you just said, you know, do you want to be second to the game? Do you want to be third to the game? So how do you take some of these nuggets and bring people who, based on personality, based on risk, based on a number of different factors, they're interested in this, but they don't know really how to apply it within their approach and worldview and and, and ways of taking these things to their jobs and their roles. So this is pretty technical stuff, Russ, but I just apply one good old fashioned word, simple. And I'll, and I'll ask you like this to your audience. Most of your folks listening have either kids or grandkids. So I'd say, like, Russ, do you have, do you have, you have daughters? Yeah, one daughter. How old is she? She's nine. 
Okay, she's probably not quite there, but one day she's gonna say, Daddy, can you Venmo me that? As opposed to you or your wife giving her a 20. Now, she's early enough to where she might say one day, this, this paper with green and black ink on it, what, why, would you, why would you have that? And that seems patently silly to me and you today. Brother, it's coming. Now, you see where I'm going. If you have a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old, that generation genuinely just, just Venmo. I'd rather not have the cash. Now, if you believe that to be true, and, and it is, ask yourself, is that behavior going to change? In other words, are they going to revert back to a system where they'd rather cash? What do you think? No. No. So all you have to know is to get your head around that concept alone. Just look, look at your own family. What do they want? Which means whoever provides it to them in the easiest manner, in the easiest user experience possible is going to win. Now let's go further on that. Our kids, they're point A to point B. They want to pay someone something for some something. And they want as little friction in that process as possible. And they want it as quickly as possible. If you believe that to be true, think about the product and ripple from that alone. This idea of a wire transfer today, Russ, is going to be so arcane to your nine-year-old. When she's a senior in high school, she's going to say, dad, what was the wire? How did that? I don't get, why should your money have had to wait for a period of time before somebody else got it. I don't, that doesn't compute. And you'll have to really think about how to, how, how do I explain that to her? So think about that. All right, she's nine, that's, that's nine years away. Somebody between that chasm, right, is going to splash into the market, innovate. And if you did it the old way, it, it's gonna be over. It's a little like when Reed Hastings, the guy who started Netflix said to us, Russ, you and your young, your girlfriend at the time probably, Y'all don't even get in the car, drive to Blockbuster. Just go to your mailbox because I'm going to put that DVD in the mailbox. And then he said, I got one better. Push the button on the remote while you're sitting on your couch. There's no late fee. And we like that, right? Because we don't want to get on the highway at 4 p.m. on a Friday to go try and rent Ghost. We certainly didn't want to return it late. So when a new, better user experience comes into the market, and then if it's cheaper, it's over. And so I can tell you, because we're my company is really well-versed on the other side of the river, the tech side, Yeah, the product's already there. These, these technologies exist. Those guys are just really bad at marketing, selling, marketing, selling and messaging to the legacy companies. They're, they don't speak the same language. And that's why the user adoption is so bad. It needs to, it needs to rise quickly, but it's already here. I've seen it all. How do you improve that adoption? Education, easy. And this is where guys like you, Russ, I couldn't be more bullish on your opportunity. Look, a lot of guys in your boat to do what you do. Hey, I trust you with my money. That's, you can't have much more personal relationship with somebody than that, right? And a lot of guys in your shoes come to me and say, Henry, I need to provide more value. They want more and more and more. And I say, you want to have, you want to have the ultimate value? Walk them into this because you're not the only ones dealing with this issue. Everybody has the same questions. The, the chat GPT question you asked me, I get that 10 times a day. And yeah. so it's almost as, as crude as this sounds, Russ. It's like me and you walking into David Harper's living room and saying, David, let me, uh, program, let me show you how to program that Apple TV. Now he may or may not know, know how to do it, but once you're the person that brings that kind of value to somebody like that, you have a special place in their heart because like I said, the older we get, the more laps around the track, 
we just go, you know what? I'm going to throw my hands up. I don't understand this. It's not for me. It's not aimed at me to heck with it. But in our mind, it's, it's a vulnerable place to be. So yeah. if you're that white knight on that white horse that says, I got you. And this is yeah. part of the reason you do business with Russ Clemmer. You're going to go up a notch. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you sit there and either you fix the Wi-Fi or you fix a problem on somebody's phone. And what happens? Well, we just call so-and-so. Just well, call so-and-so. Let, let's go. I mean, it's biblical too. teach a man to fish. Right. I mean, we yeah. this is this is not a new tale. But in today's world where it's so fast, Russ, I mean, I'm thinking about your nine-year-old daughter. And the, 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 she, Russ, she's going to have to, you're going to have to sit down with your wife and have a, an honest discussion to go, do we let her get her license at 16? That's less than seven years away because in your area, she's going to, it's going to be just as easy for her to get a ride with a self-driving autonomous vehicle than actually having her drive a car. Why? Because if you have her drive a car, you're going to have to get car insurance for her. You ever thought about that? Even kids that drive today, they're insured 24 hours a day. How much time do they actually need to be insured when they're behind the wheel? That's what your daughter will have when she steps into the next version of Uber. Think about that. And that's not that far away. So education, you have to have it before you can understand this stuff. And then once you do, well, then you're able to do some good things under your own roof and for your clients. And that is almost as big of a win. So is there any industry right now, because our clients are all many different industries, is there any industry right now would you, that you say is, has the best opportunity to adapt and to, to benefit from some disruption? I thought you were going to ask me, is anybody immune? <laughs> and the answer is no. That's a really good question. Gosh, I would, I would push it back to you. I'd say, well, because look, there's blue ocean everywhere, meaning... And it starts back to what I just said. It's he, who, he or she who gets educated first on behalf of others is going to win. But I mean, the one real estate square in the crosshairs, government square in the crosshairs, anything in the financial industry, education, maybe the biggest of all, Russ, healthcare. There's a ton of what I call unearned margin laying on the table. And when these disruptors who are masters of technology figure out all that unearned margin, they're coming for it. Our friends up in the Pacific Northwest, Amazon, they're going to be a major player in healthcare. It's, it's only a matter of time. If you knew what they were up to, they're taking dead aim at that unearned margin. So if you are a traditional healthcare provider or a pharmacy benefit manager, what we call PBM, that legacy business model is in trouble. And so those are just a few of the ones that the work we do, we sit there and go, you, you better change because change is coming. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the beauty of uh, change is that it's always it's always happening, whether you realize it or not. It is always happening, whether you're fortunate enough or, you know, have a brave moment to jump in with it. Right. And maybe you're just a, you really enjoy the, the study of it after it's already happened. Right. You love to analyze it. You love. Right. That just may be your thing. So how do you talk about change management? When you have an organization that may need to pursue some of these disruption activities for their, their sake, their client's sake, their vendor's sake, their whatever, how do you blend those folks together? How do you get an organization with a lot of different risk types, personalities to be able to pursue something like this? I think it's down to the individual, Russ. And my question is simple. 
And it goes back to old, old, good old Simon Sinek, which is what is your why? Why do you do what you do? And if they tell me, Henry, it's all about my customers. And if they're genuine with that, I say, well, then we just, we just solved the puzzle. Because if it's all about your customers, you should be night and day working on this stuff such that you can serve them better. Because it's like, it's like me or you saying, Russ, if we have a manufacturing company in the late 80s or the early 90s, and we're doing really well. And I come and I say, guys, you may want to get your head around this thing called e-commerce. <laughs> it's it's going to stick around. Or in the late 90s, early 2000s saying, this thing called the internet, it's going to stick around. It's got legs, right? You need to You need to get your head around it. And some would say to me, well, Henry, what if you're early? Well, if you're early, I think that's a blessing because- Russ, if I showed you the product roadmap, we have a graphic we use at my company, Disrupt Ready, of JP Morgan, okay? They have been at this, this Web3 game since 2015, meaning they, you know, bought this company, tried this approach. And it's not the wins per se that I bring that up. It's the losses. Because when you lose, if you're, you know, you have a good leadership council and you have a good way forward, then you say, okay, well, lesson learned. We know not to do that again, and it's going to influence our path forward. Think about the companies that aren't even, they don't even have a shot on goal, which means they don't even have those skin knees. Yeah. So I think it goes back to down to the individual in the company. What, what do you, why, is, why do you do what you do? And look, let's be non-emotional about it. If they say, honestly, Henry, it's for money. Great. You want to be at the front of the line? Innovation is where the money is at. Because if you're playing a value game with clients, they better see value in what you do and what you bring. And I don't see any bigger or better way to bring value to people in today's day and age than this education that we're talking about. Like I said, if it's serving people, if it's commitment to mission and cause, if you get left behind and change, your ability to serve is it's just it's, it's reduced almost to zero. Yeah, I like that. I like, I like uh, Simon Sinek's approach there with start with why. And people have mission, vision, and values, and sometimes they don't also go through that why mm-hmm. exercise, right? Being able to say that at the center of the circle, that's my why, that influences everything else. And one of your, I know you use, that, you use Apple and music as one of your unholy alliances. Mm-hmm. So talk about those a little bit, unholy alliances. That's, yeah, a, me- that's a very unique phrase there. Yeah, it's not my favorite. I need to come up with uh, <laughs> a better phraseology. Let me go back to, I'm going to make one more point on what we just talked about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to it. Don't, don't miss this either, Russ. Listen, if you're all, I'm 51 years old uh-huh. and if I'm leading my company and I say, guys, you know what? I need to change. I gotta, I gotta dig deep. I gotta change some things about what I know, how I behave, whatever. Right. And, and, and I'm going to show some vulnerability there. Think about the leadership lesson in today's world. When you do that, as opposed to saying, look, guys, Change is coming. This crazy guy, Henry, says we got to do this. So y'all got to do it. I'm good because I'm older and I got all the money and I'm whatever. But that if I'm if I'm in that organization, I said, well, hold on a second. He's not doing it. So think about the power in your leadership lid. When you say to your troops, guys, change is needed. And I'm going to lead the way. So that's that's closing my my argument there, but okay. So you mentioned unholy alliance. There was, well, a- but let me just affirm that and say it, it starts with the top. It starts with the top. Even if the owner says or the founder says, "Hey, let's get let's get this team of people over here." I don't know if I really believe in it, but we're going to put some money to it, and you guys go and do your thing, and you go and research all this other stuff. 
just like any other, just like any other element of the culture, it has to start with the top. I firmly believe that. I mean, you just can't get the results that you're looking for if you don't do it that way. In fact, that's our, our filter and our lens. Russ, is if we don't have the top guy to start, we just say, with all due respect, we're not for you. Because yeah. you're not looking at this as successfully as you need to be. And, and yeah, you can find somebody else. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so unholy alliances, but weave it back into what you're doing with Disrupt Ready. It, just kind of walk through that and how you're taking that to folks and, and what you're doing for them. So it's two different things. So the unholy alliance idea is a very interesting phenomenon in business that is a subtlety of disruption. Let me explain it to you. If I say the word Guinness to you, what's the first thing you think of? You say Guinness? Uh-huh. Well, either world record or really, really dark beer. So you're one of the rare people who do that. Most people say the beer. So, okay, let's start there. So Guinness is about a 300-year-old family recipe for beer from England, right? It's been around yep. for a long time. In the 50s, their executive team had a problem. Sales were flat to declining. So the CEO of the company took his, his leadership team, Russ, on a bird hunt. Get off, get out of the office, fresh minds, come up with some new ideas. Well, he takes a shot at the bird and just like our buddies probably do, he misses. And uh, his, his buddies razzed him, nice shot. To which he said, that had to be the fastest bird in all of England. Now they go back to the castle that they rented that night, arguing about the fastest bird in England and all the while consuming Guinness. Well, he wakes up the next morning, he looks in the corner, there's a pile of Guinness cans in, in the corner. He thought, well, we drunk a lot of beer arguing about that stupid bird. And then he thought, how would I find out what the fastest bird in England was? And the Guinness Book of World Records was born. Now, think about a 300-year-old family recipe for beer <laughs> and a paperback telling us who can juggle the most pancakes in two minutes. Is there, un, is, is there anything more non-aligned than those two things, Russ? No. Yeah. Michelin, same thing. You think of Michelin, big tire, the, the, the yeah. gray guy, right? They yeah. had the same problem. They wanted to get mom and pop on the road. So one of their young marketing managers suggested, well, they need to go to restaurants and to inns. And they need, they need to have a ratings guide which tells them where to go. So the Michelin three-star rating guide was born. Yep, that's an unholy alliance. So here's my contention. In the midst of all this sea and storm and disruption, I firmly believe every business has one. And, and that segues me into Disrupt Ready. So we started Disrupt Ready because of a moment ago, I told you, I think education on all this stuff is the easiest way to the front of the line. And so you have to be educated to know what's coming and how you step into it and how to use it. But I didn't like, you know, when I was coming up as, as an executive, you get their certificate or the training, you know, medal. Yeah. I thought that was a little cheesy. So I thought, okay, disruption's coming. Are you ready? Because you never arrive. You always have to work on this. And so that's what we built. And so we built, we're really steeped deeply on the tech side. Uh, we know that really well. But then we know how to teach it to a Russ Clemmer who I don't think Russ is ever going to code for a company on the blockchain. Maybe you will. I, I don't think so. I, I won't. Right? I just learned how to spell code. Okay. So you're with me. But that means I need to teach you five paragraphs deep where you go to the to the birthday party this weekend in North Georgia. And some fellow says, what's the blockchain? He said, you know, actually, I do know a good bit about that. In fact, I know where our company is going to be using it. I know where our competitors are. 
If you do that, you are 97% ahead of the game. And so implicit into your legacy, what if the Unholy Alliance and legacy is they become the premier Web3 education company in your space? Again, the two things could not be more unaligned, but I think something like that could be the key to not 10% your business, 10Xing your business. But you have to have that vision, that ability to say, okay, I, I got to kind of see around the corner here and I need a good implementer to help me get there. So I, I, I'm not, I've got some skills in the visionary compartment. Some folks don't, and I'm not a good detail person. So you need that combination of people to help get you there. I get that. Yeah. I got your head. Spinning so many now. things going through my mind. It's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've hit 40. And so now I have a little bit of time where I can look back and say, oh, I missed that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I really missed that. Oh, wow. How did I not see that coming? Right. And so so you get a little bit of you get a little bit of history and you kind of look at somebody, you know, who's, you know, 14 or 15 and they're talking about all these you know great new things and everything else. I'm like, you don't, you haven't seen anything. Right. But that's not true. That's not true. That's just me. And so you, you kind of think through some of these things. Hindsight's always 2020. But I do think that especially with chat GPT, what I've seen and the norms that it has disrupted. Right education is the one that kind of people talk about, right? They're cheating on this. They're coming up with this. They're doing this. I saw something the other day where they said, well, we don't know how to fix this code. And so they just asked the question and it gave them a sample, right? So there's a lot of these things that are coming out of it. But I think the biggest question for me is, and, and you landed on it, you know, you, you kind of said, this is all of, this is all God's technology. So how does this help us serve each other well? How does this help us tell his story well? And that to me is, is one of the most beautiful thing, you know, things about all of this, all the different things, finances, saving, investing, you know, all the different things that we could, you know, that, that come across my desk on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The rules are all really well, but even the why, right? The why around all of that is, is still a much bigger picture than that one, you know, little question. So that's really what's encouraging to me. So you've got Disrupt Ready launched, right? You said recently, and you can take that into an organization and train the folks in the organization that need to be caught up to speed and have work walking around knowledge of what that looks like and why. But then it also trains them on how to think to better the organization. Without a doubt, that'll go one step further. I think a lot of founders today, would be surprised, Russ, at the innovation and the the unlock in brains once people say, wait a minute, your nine-year-old will make purchasing decisions 100% backed up by the blockchain. And you don't know what that means today, but I can tell you that generation is changing the way that you and I, Russ, make decisions, i.e. she will want to know where was the banana that I'm going to purchase? Where was it birthed? Was it, how long did it take to get to America? because that's gonna matter to them. Well, the blockchain will tell her and it'll tell her in an instant and she'll know that's a 100% trusted source of information. So weird stuff like that, when you start getting your head around, wow, okay, now I understand. But let me go back to something in your question. I think the most important thing is we have to have our minds open to change. There's so many examples in our lives. Russ, I was in San Francisco this weekend at a conference. And as I was flying back, I just marveled at the airplane. There were times when 
If you and I were in a different time in civilization, we'd look up in the sky, you could never, ever, ever have imagined a tube at 30,000 feet moving, moving at 900 miles an hour from point A to point B ever, right? And most would have been you know, afraid to death to get on that. And how we feel about flying today. So change is, as long as you have your mindset around it, boy, you can really step into change and become a huge positive beacon. And we see the we see the flip, right? We know people in our lives that are resistant to it. Typically, that doesn't mean they have a good attitude about it. And it's not a real good, it's infection to the negative around people. And in business, if you if you rely on customers, that is not a good start. And that's not a good way to go about your day-to-day. So, and, and by the way, that doesn't mean that every change has to work for you, right? Some people, they, they'll tell me, look, I understand self-driving cars. I'll, it's not for me, but I don't judge people who it is for. That's a good way of processing change. So you don't have to step into everything that's coming your way. I would just say you need to take the emotion out of it and go, all right, let me understand what brought about this change. Who's getting unseated as the incumbent? And then who's it helping? If you just do that, you're you're 99% ahead of the group. Yeah. Because it's just a fresh in your mind set about changes individuals. So I, I think, and it's not hard to do that, but we we have to walk, our brain protects ourselves from, from us. And the older we get, it does it a lot more quickly. When we can't process, how does this work for us? It says, run, Russ, run, and run fast. Yeah, yeah. So, so how does somebody get set up with Disrupt Ready? What, what's that process like? Yeah, we have a, a pretty easy discovery process where we, we, we typically like to work with institutions who have people under the roof and say, hey, we're a fit for you. So we just have phone calls. Our website, disruptready.com, has an intake sheet. I'm on LinkedIn at Henry Hayes, H-A-Y-S. I love talking to people about this all day long. I love keynoting because this is a binary statement for us, Russell. It's not an if, but a when. And so we just want to figure out, like I said, where do you want to be in that line? And most folks don't opt to be in the back. You know, they want to be in the front. So then the question becomes, all right, what are you willing to, to give to get there? Because there's a lot of winners and there's a lot of losers in this game. And so those are a couple of ways that folks can find us, but always willing to serve and help. Yeah. 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 This is a lot to digest. This is a lot to digest. And, and you know, I imagine that you've got, you've got some, uh, you know, folks who enter the process and they're resistant, right? It, a lot of people are resistant to change, you know, but if you told them, well, you don't have to pay, you know, we're going to change the tax code where you don't have to pay anything there excited about change at that point, right? So they're resistant to change if it's not comfortable. Some people who want it, want it. And then some people who, you know, they don't, they're okay with it, but they don't have fits into, you know, some other schedule. They're so busy. They're doing all these different things. And that's really, I think, out of the grade eight virtues, we talk about the collaboration effect on profit, right? Or financial advisors, profit's a, a central figure in what we talk about and what we deliver on as, as consultants and advisors. We talk about collaboration because we believe that people working together is the best way to achieve the profit that that institution, that organization is there to achieve, right? So profit can be any number of different things. Our friend Brandon Schaefer talks about the five capitals. It's kind of the same area. You profit or you benefit in different areas. And and just listening to you, I'm kind of, you know, we, we came around this idea of how do we talk about people behavior and how do we talk about money in the same sentence and coaching 
leadership development, soft sciences around some of those things. And then you're over here talking about returns on investment. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're trying to cram those two things into the same sentence. And what we really, you know, kind of had to look at it in, I never really thought about it until now is that that was, that's a little bit of our unholy alliance, but you can't set a, a vision or a target or a benchmark and not care about the people and their behavior, right? It goes hand in hand. And so when I'm sitting there, you know, thinking through some of these things, what's important from my perspective is that anybody in a, in a seat of leadership, anybody in a seat of stewardship, has to be okay with change, right? They may not have to be on the on the you know tip of the spear right there, but they have to have a role in change. They have to be able to understand what it is and what it looks like. And that's being able to provide that to folks is a huge deal. I don't I know people talk about change management a lot, but I don't I don't know of anybody that comes at it from a, a place of disruption, more like a get along kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'll tell you this, Russ, this is kind of the way I end my talks. I'll, I'll give this one to you because guys will ask me, okay, so Henry, how do I know when we go through the education, we, we got that. How do I know when we've arrived? And I say, you let me walk the halls of your business. And I'm going to ask three questions to your employees. If I get the same answers to these three questions, you win. And they're the following. Number one, who is your future customer? Who is your future customer? Number two, what's the company strategy to get to them? And then number three, what is your role, Russ, in that strategy? If you can get answers to those three uniform, you will win. But it takes work to get to those three. Because yes. notice the word future customer. Because your future customer will change. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it, I think there's a, a huge, a huge disruption coming to the industry that I'm in. A huge disruption. Yeah, I've seen the tech; it's coming. The only way it's and guys will say, "Well, okay, well, why am I here?" Because, like I said, the tech guys who built it are really, really poor at selling, selling and marketing. But that's getting better too. So when we reach a point of critical adoption, there will be a time where you're too late. And personally, I want to be early. Even if I have the knowledge and go, okay, it's not here yet. That's fine. Our, we'll keep our powder dry, but we know when it's time to step in. And like today, today would be, you need to begin to try and learn how to use components of artificial intelligence in your business. You need a baseline understanding of what the blockchain is. I could go for a long time on a lot of these, but those are, those are some that I would say today we need to get on top of. Yeah. Man, this is this is exciting. This is exciting. Okay, so your contact information is in the description below. Anybody listening and, and want to get in touch, get in touch with Henry. Henry, thank you for the examples. Thank you for the nuggets of truth. Thank you for outlining what you do and how you do it and why you do it. The, the key there, and you've written a book, right? No, not yet. <laughs> you've got a pamphlet. You've got a work. You've got a white paper or a pamphlet or something. I've seen right. I've actually got a video, which is my sizzle reel, which kind of gives a about a minute background of my speech. But no, I have I don't, I don't have a book under me yet. But you've got one in your head. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> OK. All right. Well, when that comes out, we'll make sure everybody knows as well. But we're excited about uh, following what you're doing 
And anybody needs to get in touch with you, we've got the information below. But thanks for joining the Three Wins Podcast and sharing these nuggets of truth with us. Really love you, Russ, and uh, David Harper and all the folks at Legacy. You guys, I really believe in what you're doing. So it's my pleasure. Thank you.